Hello and welcome to Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector. I'm your host, Roman Tegal, and today's episode, I'll be talking about the pharma and biotech supply chain with Jerry Cox, founder and COO at Valesco Pharmaceutical Services. An accountant by trade, Jerry worked for Pfizer for 18 years in corporate and research and development roles, both globally and on site. Since founding Valesco back in 2007, he has led the steady growth of the company's operations and its most recent expansions. A fellow Bostonian, it's been my great pleasure to get to know Jerry since I moved to this part of the world. So I'm really delighted to have him on the show. Hi, Jerry. Welcome to the show. Uh, hello, Roman. Thank you so much for having me. Absolute pleasure. And, and Jerry, just to start off with, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and and, and what you do at, at Valesco? Sure, sure. Um, and, and before I get into all of that, uh, Roman, I wanted to you know, thank you for the opportunity to be on this podcast. And um, I know you've been in the Boston area for a couple of years, but I've, I've been very impressed with the uh, with the breadth and, and, and depth of your of your network and all the people that you know, Ramon. So um, you've been very uh, helpful to me and to Valesco Farmer in introductions. And um, uh, you've only been here for a couple of years. I don't know how you got to know all these people, but I guess you've been working on it for a while. So Thank you. It's thank, that's very kind of you to say so, Jerry. And yeah, it's because I just constantly talk all the time. So that's probably yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. well, I, think, I think you're someone who likes connecting people. And I, I actually enjoy that myself. And um, so I, I guess I know one when I see one. So um, <laughs> thank you thanks for all that. And uh, in a couple of years, we've had a chance to work together. So 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 uh, uh, to talk a little bit about myself and my my role at Valesco Farmer, um, you know, I'm very much on the business side. Um, Valesco Farmer, um, as you mentioned, um, um, you know, our, our colleagues, we worked at Pfizer for, for quite a while before we started the company back in 2007. And I'm one of the co-founders. Uh, my partner, uh, Dave Barnes, is our chief scientist, chief executive, um, and I'm our chief operating officer. Um, so I focus, uh, uh, one of my key key roles is is, uh, is business development, certainly, you know, bringing in new business. But, uh, you know, given the scale of our company, um, I really wear many, many hats. Um, I'm responsible for um, you know, helping out with our recruiting efforts for us, uh, identifying facilities and bringing in new equipment and, um, you know, uh, initiating new projects with clients. And so, so it's really the, the, the non hard science activities that, that I have responsibility for. So, um, and we, we've been at it for 13 years and, and, um, we've, we've seen steady growth and it's been, uh, it's been a very different, uh, phase of my career and, uh, but by far the most rewarding, certainly. And do you mind, and for our for our listeners that don't know you, Jerry, just talking a bit about how you got into this sector and, you know, you spent the best part of 20 years at Pfizer. So I'm interested to hear a little bit more about that and, and also what what made you start the company in the first place, you know, going from, you know, very well-respected big pharmaceutical company to, you know, <laughs> a blank piece of paper in a, in a company from scratch. Uh, it's, a, it's a really interesting story. So I'd love to hear more about it. Sure, sure. So... So as, as you mentioned, um, I'm, I'm here in Boston um, and originally from the Boston area, um, but but I started with uh, with Pfizer back in, in 1990, and um, I actually was in New York City, and then you know worked in corporate finance. I had an opportunity in, in the role I was I was there really throughout the 90s to to visit Pfizer's operations throughout the world. So I had a chance to spend quite a bit of time in Europe and Asia and South America, and really get to you know kind of from the ground up see what it, what what it took to to run a business, and uh, you know, because Pfizer was such a uh, such a global organization they, at, at that time anyway, they had 
sort of standalone entities in, in many, many places around the world. So I had that experience and then made a transition to uh, the uh, Global Research Division, which was based in Connecticut. So uh, I, I went from sort of a corporate role to a divisional role. And then that really got me heading down the path of working in pharmaceutical R&D. So I spent about six years, again, really coming up through financial operations throughout and was responsible for, uh, for teams that were in the UK and in California and the Midwest, et cetera, um, in, my, in my global research finance role. And then finally with Pfizer, I, I ended up in, in Michigan, the great state of Michigan, which is a big part of uh, Valesco Pharma's story. Um, and when I got there in 2006, um, it was uh, quite a bustling research site that Pfizer had there. We had significant operations in both Ann Arbor, Michigan, and also Kalamazoo, Michigan. And uh, we were spending between operating dollars and capital dollars about a billion dollars. I mean, it was quite a large operation with you know close to 3,000 people working there. And you know, unfortunately, at the time, Pfizer had a clinical setback, and so they had to take some decisions about cutting costs. And um, I guess what I what I learned over the years from being on both the uh, the corporate side and out, out at a site such as the one in Ann Arbor that when you're cutting costs, it's all about buildings and people. I guess we used to say so. So um, they took a decision to shut down the research site there, which was um, it was it was a very emotional time. I mean, I had a lot of people that were reporting to me, and we had to deal with that transition. But it also created an opportunity to do something different. You know, I, I had always wanted to do something entrepreneurial. I had seen people in my network who had been successful at it. Um, I felt I could do it. I felt I could do it well. And I guess um, Pfizer, by uh, taking that decision, provided me with the opportunity to do so. And, and what was really incredible about it was um, there was tremendous people looking for opportunities. They wanted to stay in the area. You know, Ann Arbor is a great college town. People wanted to be there. The equipment, a lot of surplus equipment, obviously, there as a result of the closure of the site, the facilities. So um, we, we were kind of in a, in a situation where we could pick the best people in, in starting our organization. Um, you know, we were able to get equipment quite affordably and there was lab space to move into. So you know, there was a larger group of us that were interested in trying to do something which was um, was really around the pharmaceutical science function that was ongoing in Michigan at Pfizer. But it, it whittled down. I think the reality started setting in and people started moving to other you know larger companies. But the, at the end of the day, Dave and I were left standing. And you know, we put together a business plan to uh, to really really start by focusing on early phase work, going out and finding some clients that were you know outsourcing these activities. So uh, you know drug formulation, developing of analytical methods. That was kind of the lab based work that we were involved in, and, and we also wanted to provide manufacturing. So we got a uh, manufacturing facility up and running to provide early phase clinical supplies. So we were really set up working with companies that were heading into the clinic for the first time. Um, and that's really how we, uh, you know, kind of established our initial reputation in those early years. So, you mentioned, you know, you always fancied doing something yourself. Where did that entrepreneurial desire come from? Is that something from your parents? Was it just something that you know that you that grew as you as you got more into your career? I'm just I'm just interested because it's in my experience, it's quite unusual to see that from someone that's been. In a, in a big pharma setting for, for two decades. So I'm just, yeah, yeah I'm really interested to, to hear where that came from. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's quite a dramatic shift. You know, I, I think that uh, if you can pull it off, it brings you to a tremendous place because you have all this deep experience of working in big pharma for many years. And, you know, myself on the business side, but certainly our, our scientific team, which is, I think our science is what differentiates Valesco Pharma. I would say for me, um, I, I really appreciated being around many smart people and I learned a great deal. But, you know, there was that sort of bureaucracy of being in a larger organization and um, not really able to 
make decisions quickly, um, not necessarily seeing the, the results of your hard work because things are, you know, move along very slowly sometimes in drug development. So I think that desire of sort of getting out of that environment, getting a place where I could operate more independently and take those skills, be it leadership skills and just sort of my aptitude to get things done, that translated very well into a smaller company environment. I mean, the things that we had to tackle, you know, hiring people and finding facilities and obtaining equipment, obtaining financing, getting customers, there's an important one. I think we learned very early on that if you don't go out and find some business, then it's time for everyone to go home. You know, we really emphasize that up front. So I think those years of particularly me traveling around to different Pfizer sites and having large groups of people that I was responsible for really kind of set me up for success in, in all the different aspects of, of, of what you need to do to start a company. And I also really enjoy... Um, you know, getting out and meeting people. And, and um, you know, I was, I was in Michigan at the time and I was traveling back to Boston, to the West Coast. And, and um, you know, I think what I discovered is, you know, when you, work, when you work for a big company and you're, you know, you're working on a floor, even if you're part of a global organization, there's a certain group of people that you're working with on a regular basis, but there's a whole big world out there. There are so many people doing entrepreneurial things. And it, it, just, it just opened my eyes to, um, you know, if anything, I wish I had done it 10 years earlier. You know, because there's so many different directions you can take it. And uh, I mean, we're there right now with our company. You know, I mean, we're very busy. Things are going well. There's, there's a great deal of investment into the industry right now. The, the number of opportunities are, are, are endless um, in, in where you can take things. So, And I'm, I'm pleased to hear that things are going going well. And I wanted to ask you about Valesco and, and understand, you know, a bit more around, you know, where you fit in the supply chain as a, as a CDMO. You know, what what is it? that is your real sweet spot or what problems that you solve that, uh, you know, makes you a, a preferred vendor with, with customers? Sure. Sure. Uh, a great question, Lamont. You know, as, as I mentioned, we started out uh, during this early phase work. So, uh, you know, drug formulation, we do a lot of work with liquids, you know, oral solutions and suspensions and injectables and, you know, doing that sort of early phase formulation work. We'll also develop, you know, the associated drug product methods. We'll also get involved in, in, in developing drug substance analytical methods. You know, start doing some stability work. And then as programs head into the clinic, we'll shift our focus to early phase clinical trial materials. So so really when you when you drop back on that, I mean a big part of our business is is working with small to mid-sized pharma companies that are they've selected a compound and they're heading into development. They may need some form formulation support for animal studies, but they're looking towards developing a clinical formulation and getting supplies for phase one, phase two studies. And ideally, we can stay with our clients right up to clinical proof of concept. So that's that's kind of one of the you know really the core place where we spent our early years, and we continue. It's a big part of our business. That's great. And in, and I see you've invested in kind of manufacturing capacity in the in the last year or so. Can you talk a little bit more about? Uh, how you've expanded the business? Sure, sure, and that's that's been a huge effort over the last few years. So, so we started out uh, when we when we rolled out of Pfizer in uh, uh, at former Pfizer facilities um, leasing space, and we were growing. And I think we found that you know we were moving into little various corners of a, of a multi-tenant building, and we took a decision back in um, in 2018 that we had to go out and get our own facility. So we bought a building in um, in Wixom, Michigan, which is about a half an hour from Ann Arbor. And we renovated it in 2018, um, and it's really, you know, very new, beautiful lab space with uh, opportunities to, to expand in the building that we're in. And then, um, you know, we've, we've been manufacturing since 2010, uh, but we were doing it in Kalamazoo, uh, which is another, you know, there's a lot of history out there. I mean, Kalamazoo is where Upjohn Pharmacia was, and, and in the sort of the southeast part of Michigan, you know, the uh, Park Davis, Warner Lambert um, operations that, that Pfizer bought. So... 
you know, there was, there was great colleagues in both these geographic areas within Michigan. And there was a facility we leased, again, back in 2010. But, you know, it was, to be honest, it was an hour and a half away, you know. And then that wasn't ideal. So um, we took a decision to acquire a second facility uh, very close to our first. And uh, we fit that out. And in early 2020, pretty much just as the pandemic was starting, we got up and running our uh, GMP um, clinical manufacturing facility. So now we're, we're set up exactly as we want to be. We, we have expansion space. Um, everything is brand new and state of the art. You know, we're really pleased with those decisions that we took, even though it was it was a great deal of work and you know, the timing sometimes was questionable given that all was going on with the business and the sort of the pandemic and everything. But we're in a great place right now. And, and our, our focus right now is, is on, you know, with these other bottlenecks solved, I mean, facilities in particular, um, is, is bringing in great people. You know, I mean, you, in, in your question, you talked about why, why people select Valesco Pharma. I mean, I lead with that. My partner is, is really is, a, is an excellent scientist and you know, University of London, PhD. He, he's provided a lot of thought leadership to our organization. But some of our, uh, you know, our executive team, our, sort of the next level of the organization, have been with us since the very beginning. So um, we've been very fortunate in, um, in bringing in some, some very high quality um, leadership and, and they've been with us for, you know, 13 years now, um, which, is, which is quite amazing. Um, and we're, we're kind of built out from there. Well, congratulations on your uh, on your investments and, and continued success. And I wanted to ask about, you know, if there's someone listening to the uh, to this episode and you know they they've just left a, a big pharma job and toying with the idea of, of starting their own company, where where would you advise that person start? Because it's uh, it's incredible to hear the story that you guys have had, you know, from from the big pharma experience to not just setting up your company, but growing it and now investing and, and hiring. And, and it's, a, it's a fantastic story. So uh, there will be people, no doubt, that will be listening that might be in that situation. Have you got any advice for like, kind of where to start? And and I kind of, I don't want to lead, lead your answer by any stretch, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on networking because you seem to be a phenomenal networker. You've got a great um, set of connections and maybe that's part of part of your answer. Yeah, I think there's getting out and talking to, you know, many people. That's where we started. You know, we wanted to see what, what the market was looking for. So both myself and my partner were on the phone as we were winding down our, our Pfizer work and, and, and trying to see what, you know, where the opportunities were. I, I would say, um, you know, getting focused on your existing network and trying to expand that. I mean, people are happy to, happy to speak with folks. I mean, I, I would... I would welcome someone calling me up and saying, listen, this is what I'm interested in doing and um, would love to get your thoughts on you know, your experience in, in, in making this successful. Um, so, so that's the very first place that you want to start. But then I think it's um, you know, differentiating yourself. So um, companies like yours, Ramon, have been a great help to us in, in getting your story out. I know one thing that we've sort of struggled with over the years is you know, with, when, when there were trade shows, you know, we would go there and you'd walk around and you know, it, it could be very intimidating. So I, I, I'll never forget, this is probably... 2007, we went to the uh, the AAPS trade show, and I looked around this convention center, and I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. You know, it was like there was so many companies, and, and we were talking to uh, you know one particular company about, and they, and they said, "Don't be intimidated by this because you'll never start. You'll never you'll never get out of the gate." So um, I, I think in a way, there's a, there's a certain leap of faith. You have to have belief in in and your abilities and, and um, that you can differentiate your, you know, the product that you're offering, you know, in some ways that you just have to go for it, but do that in a, in a form manner, you know, talk to people, understand what their successes and failures have been. I mean, I mean, entrepreneurs really enjoy speaking to people about their experiences and, 
And um, I think that'll get people, you know, quite far along um, before they're ready to, to kick things off. I mean, I think it's terrific advice there. You're listening to Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector. The podcast for professionals working in the pharma and biotech contract services space. You mentioned a word there, which is kind of uh, failure and, uh, you know, on the face of it, you've obviously had a very successful career in terms of both your time at Pfizer as as a a business leader and an entrepreneur at Valesco. What mistakes have you made along that journey and uh, you know what what things do you constantly have to to work on and I know firsthand the difficulties of wearing many hats in a business and the problems and challenges that that brings but yeah really curious to hear kind of what what mistakes you've made on that journey and also kind of what what you have to work on all the time because it might not be your core competence right right well I, I, would, I would say now the challenge is because um, because the way we've, we've built our reputation and we're really wired for this uh, customer service, you know, scientific excellence, customer service, you know, with a lab down the hall um, from you, you know, everyone who rings the phone and wants to talk to us about potentially doing a project, we want to get going right away with them because that's really how we differentiate ourselves. I mean, people come to us because they don't want to go to the, you know, larger companies that, uh, you know, they tend to do more work with big farmer and it just, you know, if they're a smaller company, they just may not be at the top of the line and, you, know, you, you hear mixed experiences that people have, but they, 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 they enjoy working with a smaller company. But, but as you get busy and, you know, we've been on both ends of the spectrum, you know, I mean, we've, we've had periods where it's like, you know, what are we going to do the next quarter? And then, um, holy cow, we, you know, we're, we're really busy for the next six months. Um, and and um, so, you know, trying to not overpromise, trying to be very straight with people about, um, you know, we really can't get going on that for four to six weeks you know, which is actually quite reasonable, but, but, uh, depending on kind of where they come from, that, that might not sound like the answer they're looking for. Cause you know, what happens if you say that you, 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 know, you can get going on something more quickly than you can, and you, you put all this pressure on your team. Um, so it's kind of, you know, where, where I sit because business development is such a big part of my role. Um, I think I've learned that you don't have to get every single project yeah. and trying to find that right balance of, you know, not overstressing the team and still continuing to deliver a really high level of customer service is, is, uh, has probably been a big learning uh, for me. And we're, we're, de- we're dealing with that right now. We're dealing with that right now. And it's great advice. And, you know, part of it as well is just making sure that they're the right customers for you. So, you know, if you say hey, it's going to be four to six weeks and they turn around and say, well, no, we want to start tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It might, you know, I always think that's an indication. I'm, mm, I'm not sure if this is going to be a good fit. <laughs> is it yeah. customer? Because it is a reasonable, especially in your business, it is a reasonable time scale and and I'm always a believer, you know, when you say to a client, hey, we can't start for a couple of months because we are absolutely full and, and <laughs> growing, it probably tells you that they're good at what they do. Right. <laughs> right. It's, uh, but it's, a, it's a conversation you don't enjoy, I bet, Lamar. That's a tough one. Yeah, it, it is. And, and the, the, it gets even trickier, right, if they've got a, a big chunky budget, right? And so they're like, hey, we want to start tomorrow and we've got X amount of dollars just, you know, burning that we're, we're ready to spend with you. And then it's a, it's a much more difficult decision. But no, I love I love the lab down the hall phrase that you said before as well. I'm not, I'm not here, but I think it's something really quite charming about that. I mean, here's another thing that, that I just thought about with, uh, you know, what we've learned over the years. And I think we learned it quite early on is, you know, a lot of companies that approach us, I mean, they're smaller companies, they don't have a lot of funding, you know, they're trying to get their uh, their drug substance scaled up, you know, they, they don't have a lot of material to work with. And, um, 
you know, I think that what we're very good at is making sure that the work plan that's put together that they're executing as they're trying to get their new chemical entity into the clinic is doing phase appropriate, you know, the phase of development, do the appropriate work that's necessary for that phase of development. You know, don't try to sell people on things that they don't need to do. We've learned that very well. My partner is exceptional at it. I think that folks will find a conversation that will say, if you come to us and you're looking to have some work done, which we don't think you need to do, then we're going to tell you that. You know, I, I don't know how that, those conversations go with other, you know, CDMOs, but uh, that I think is something that people really appreciate. And, and, you know, the growth of our business has, has been based on, you know, repeat work with existing clients. So, I mean, they really appreciate how different our team is, what are personalized services that we offer. And it gets to be a more of a complicated story to tell. But, I mean, we also got involved in, in more recent years in later stage work. So our, our largest client in, in 2020, you know, just had an NDA approved. And um, I can remember when I was, uh, you know, speaking with uh, with the client and, uh, you know, basically, con- you know, talking to them to congratulate them on that, you know, huge milestone that they've worked, worked on forever. They said, hey, you know what, you guys are just as much team members as anyone here um, that's working in our building. Um, though they were all working remote at the time because of the pandemic, but however. Um, and, and, and basically it was um, that, um, you know, you, you are part of our team and we never would have gotten to this milestone without the efforts of, of Valesco Pharma. So. I mean, that, that's the essence of what we're all about. Um, and, um, you know, we, we've had many, many stories like that, but that was, you know, a very significant and very recent one, you know, uh, accomplishment that, uh, that our client was able to achieve by working very closely with us. It must have felt amazing to hear that as well. That's a, a beautiful thing to hear from a, from a customer. And, and just so I understand, Jerry, because obviously you mentioned kind of in like a, I suppose, a commercial scale product. And is that a manufacturing for commercial scale or is that helping with formulation development and analytical services? Just so, uh, just so I understand. Yeah, you know, it's the latter. It's, it's um, helping with uh, analytical formulation. Um, so we have a number of projects, you know, they're, they're fairly significant projects for us anyway. And, um, you know, uh, uh, ANDAs, we have clients mm-hmm. that are, uh, that are uh, very close to uh, um, filing their ANDAs and, and they have a lot of uh, analytical development work, which is necessary validation work. Those projects are going to lead to us doing um, re- registration batches, release testing, and then we'll ultimately do commercial stability. So it's actually part of our business, which is growing, which kind of takes us to, to a different place where making sure that we have everything in place where it needs to be from a quality standpoint, that we're, we're ready for regulatory reviews. So so we're, we're kind of learning what it takes to be a later stage company. And we're just on the cusp of getting involved in, in supporting commercial products. So uh, it's been ANDAs and NDAs most recently. So, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a tricky because because we, we very much have, have cut our teeth on this early phase work. You know, that's a story that I'm very used to telling. But now, you know, I, I think it's just been sort of a, a natural growth of our business to get involved in some of this later stage work. And, you know, a lot of it is is troubleshooting. It's, um, you know, even, even for these later phase projects, they still don't have everything buttoned up and they need us to come in to, you know, in some ways rescue projects. And, you know, we've, we've proven to be very effective at this. Yeah. And it's, it's probably testament to your scientific expertise in the team and the relationships that you build with clients that they will come to you to, to help them solve those problems. So that's, that's great. And I wanted to just switch gears slightly and, and ask you, Jerry, if you could go back, you know, and speak to your, the 25 year old Jerry. So, probably not too much older than your kids. What advice would you give him? Yeah, so it's a good question. Uh, you know, I, I think that um, look for those experiences that allow you to uh, 
you know, do do what I've done over the last 13 years, maybe get there a little bit more quickly. I guess that's because I, so I, I, I'll talk to folks who are coming up into the, into the workplace now. And, you know, these are the things that I tell them, the same things I would have told myself. I, I was almost 20 years working at Pfizer. I mean, if I could have done it in 10 and, and have done the, the, the Valesco Pharma work for 20 instead of, you know, 13 or whatever it's been, I think that would have been a better balance for me. Because there's been, again, it's it's been this period of time where, you know, you learn a tremendous amount working for a large organization like Pfizer. I mean, you're surrounded by the best of the best. But, you know, kind of taking that and turning it into something that you've created yourself, you know, there's a huge opportunity to do that. So I think maybe just trying to find a way to accelerate that process would, would be one thing. And, and I would say, um, and, I, and I learned this over the years, but um, so surround yourself with great people. Surround yourself with great people. You know, I think it's one thing that I've been successful at is, I may not always be the person who comes up with the best idea in the room, but I know the best idea when I hear it. And I think what I'm good at is taking that idea and, and implementing it and um, you know, making it come alive. To the extent that you can be around people who really know the field, who are creative thinkers, who aren't afraid of taking risks, you know, those are the people who are going to allow you to, to really you know, fully take advantage of your, of your skill set and your opportunity and, and the, the financial success that comes with that, et cetera. And, and for our regular listeners, I mean, that, that phrase, surround yourself with smart people and good people, is probably one that we've, we've heard on 80% plus of the, of the podcast episodes. It's such a powerful learning for everyone to, you know, especially in leadership roles of it's not all on you, it's on making sure you have the right people around you. And, and Jerry, how would your best friend describe you in, in three words? Optimistic. I think you really have to be optimistic to, to go down the path that, uh, you know, that I've gone and that, that our company's gone. You have to wake up every day and say, things are going to go really well today. <laughs> so that'd be one. Um, loyal, I mean, I think that's uh, that's a given. You know, I come from a large family and have many, many friends from all the different places that I've, I've lived. And I, I love to stay in touch with them and keep that alive. Um, I, I care deeply about uh, my friends and family. I'm co- collaborative, maybe on the, on the social end. I mean. Um, over this last nine months or whatever it's been, I mean, I've been the guy who's kind of organized the Zoom calls and not just the work ones. And this is after doing six or seven Zoom calls during the course of the day. So, you know, in the evening, I'll, I'll uh, get get uh, our college group together and, and we'll talk and, and, you know, and, and we laugh and we have fun. And, you know, and I'm the guy who pulls that together. You know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's important. It's really important to me. And it's, uh, I think it's, um, it's, it's really good for the soul to, uh, you know, to, to, to keep that, you um, the folks that kind of brought you to where you are, um, you know, keeping them together and keeping everyone sort of upbeat and optimistic about where this is all heading. You know, switching back to kind of where we are with Lesco Farm, I mean, there's been so much investment that's come into the industry. I, I feel like every week there's like these new opportunities I never thought we'd ever have. And which one of these do we want to do? You know, I mean, it's, it's just really exciting right now. You know, we're still a small organization, but we, we don't have any outside investors. So um, we're really in control of our destiny. I couldn't be happier about where we are as an organization right now. It's great to hear. And, and my last question is a quite general one, actually, Jerry, is around the the sector at large and obviously looking through things with the with a COVID lens and what's happening in the market right now. And, and you know, at the time of recording, we're at the start of, of 2021, you know, what do you what do you expect to see happening in 2021 and beyond in terms of, uh, major trends or shifts or acceleration of trends because of COVID. It'd be really great to get your thoughts as a, I suppose, a final, a final question. Sure, sure. So uh, 
you know, specific to COVID just and how it's impacted us. I mean, there's, there's obviously been the managing the business and, and I think that's really important. So, I mean, um, you know, I know, I know you're asking a broader question about where the market is heading, but, you know, kind of getting your organization in a place where it can operate in this environment, you know, the end of this is not around the corner. So, um, you know, all getting all the appropriate protocols and making sure your team really understands it, being able, being able to op- operate remotely, all those kinds of things, just, just sort of operationally. I know all companies have spent time on that, but that, that needs to be a continued focus. So as, as far as the marketplace, I mean, I, I just alluded to this um, a bit ago. What I can tell you just from sort of sitting here and seeing what's what's coming at us, focused again on, on, the, on the early phase part of our business, companies are, are well-funded. Um, there's been a lot of uh, investments which has shifted into into the our industry, you know, and I, and I think they're looking for people who can operate in the way that I've described that Blesco Farm has been successful in, you know, being a small company to small company, tripled, uh, you know, relationship, uh, very personalized lab down the hall, you know, and, and I think that for us, it, it's a matter of trying to, to determine what is our next big investment. Um, I, I know that the, you know, we've talked about this, Ramon, I mean, you know, the sterile market is, is really hot right now. You know, its capacity has been, been taken up by, you know, obviously the, the uh, scale up of vaccines. Um, you know, is that something that we want to get involved in? Because right now our manufacturing facility is, 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 is non-sterile. Um, you know, that, that's, that'd be a big leap for us, but I think it's something, you know, something we're seriously considering. And, you know, do we, do we want to take our manufacturing further? I mean, right now we're doing like phase one, phase two scale. Do we want to bring in equipment? Do we want to further automate? Um, you know, we're gathering a lot of ideas and what might be appropriate for kind of the business we've built so far. So um, I guess just in general, you know, from small companies like ours to larger companies, people are very, very busy. Um, that's going to continue throughout 2021. And, and I think that um, there's an opportunity to establish a client base and a reputation right now that can carry you for many years. So, um, you know, executing, you know, selecting the light, the appropriate partners to work with is really critical right now. You know, getting your name out. You know, I mean, I, I think a lot of folks haven't heard of Valesco Pharma and we've been very busy, um, but I think we're at a point now, particularly with our investment in facilities and uh, hiring of people, that it's time that we, you know, that we work harder on getting our name out to uh, into the marketplace and, and really get our story told. You know, I, I think it's all on a, a very steep trajectory upward right now. Um, and, if, and if we were talking about this in the second quarter of, um, of 2020, I, I I didn't have an answer for you. I would say like in the middle of 2020, it was like all of a sudden everything just changed dramatically. But, you know, when you're sitting there in April, May, June of 2020, I mean, we didn't know where it was going to go. You know, it was uh, you know, it was a very white knuckle time for everyone. But we've been quite fortunate. And, you know, not just Valesco, but I think the industry that, uh, you know, I think we're, we're in a very good sector given the way things have, have shifted over the last six months and, and really what's going to be happening in, in, in the coming years. I think it's a, it's a very, very... Uh, spot on point uh, in terms of the sector that we operate and just being grateful for being in the sector. I'm going to sneak one last question and actually before you go, Jerry, um, given you know your time at Pfizer, uh, you must have you must have felt a great sense of pride to see Pfizer leading the way on the vaccine development and also the speed at which that happened. Did you when you saw the news of, of its approval? Um, I'm sure that brought a, a smile to your face. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Uh... I have to say, you know, I mean, we're focused on, you know, kind of the experience of working at Pfizer and then, you know, very quickly moving on to all that we've done at Valesco Pharma. But, uh, but I mean, you know, I've also never had an experience like, like, you know, working with an organization like Pfizer where it was a large company. So it wasn't always easy to, to move things forward as fast as you want to. But, 
but you know they they really really worked hard at doing things right. Um, the respect for people. You know, my my daughter who um, is just just out of college now. She spent the summer working for Pfizer recently, and um, you know the, you know the, the the folks that I knew there. I mean, many of them are still there. They're amazing. The company's changed. I um, mean, you go through all the seven A activity, but um, you know, a, a great part of my history is those those years I spent at Pfizer and all that I learned, and it kind of set me up for success in my post Pfizer years. So um, absolutely, Ramon. I mean, it's uh, it's it's been a great accomplishment, and I, I'm I'm amazed at what they've pulled off. I think it's absolutely amazing, and you know, I've read a few articles about it, and um, you know, they really they really pushed it, and and many people have mentioned to me in my outside life, oh, you used to work for Pfizer, right? It's like a you, you suddenly become famous, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I guess one last thing I'd say about Pfizer is, is there's so many alumni from Pfizer, particularly initially, the key to our success was we had instant credibility when we were out in the marketplace and saying, hey, we got this new company, Blasco Pharma. We always work for Pfizer. I mean, they knew the training that we came from. And, and many people, you know, had moved on to other opportunities and they were looking to work with quality folks that came from that kind of background. So it was exceptional for our business development in, uh, in building our business. Oh, that's great. That's great. And, and Jerry, I know you have a, a, another commitment very soon. So I'm going to wrap up and just say it's obviously, you know, I love catching up with you and you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to doing so over a beer or two when it's safe to do so. But thank you for making the time in your busy schedule to be a guest on, on Molecule to Market. I'm, I'm so glad we managed to do this and that our listeners hopefully got great value from uh, your uh, really rich experience and you know the lessons that you've learned along the way so so thank you for for being a guest yep Th- thank you Ramon. it's been a pleasure hi again thanks so much for tuning in to molecule to market we hope you enjoyed today's episode you can find more shows on spotify apple podcast or wherever you like to listen Get in touch with us on our website, moleculetomarketpod.com and follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter and we will see you again next week. Molecule to Market is sponsored and funded by Remarketing an international content, digital and design agency that helps companies get noticed, raise profile and generate leads in life sciences.